0: Acute ischemic stroke is a major public health burden and globally a common cause of death and disability. Intravenous recombinant tissue plasminogen activator, RTPA, is approved for use in selected patients with ischemic stroke within three hours of symptom onset. The International Stroke Trial, or IST3, seeks to determine whether a wider range of patients may benefit from thrombolysis. The International Journal of Stroke spoke to Chief Investigator Dr Peter Sandiko. Professor Sandico, could you please briefly outline the trial, including the aim and design features?
1: Okay, so IST3 is a large-scale trial of uh, intravenous thrombolysis with TPA at a standard dose uh, to patients within six hours of stroke onset, with the aim to treat patients, uh, include patients in the study as soon as possible after known stroke onset The entry criteria are broad. There's no upper age limits. And the principal entry criterion is that the patient falls outside clear indications for thrombolysis um, and doesn't have any clear contraindications to thrombolysis, the so-called gray area of uncertainty. So if they meet the license conditions, they get treated. If they shouldn't get treated, they don't and in that middle ground where you think thrombolysis for that particular sort of patient is promising but unproven, they can be included in the study. Baseline imaging is very simple. It can be CT or MR scanning, but for more advanced centers where uh, perfusion imaging is available, be it CT or MR, then that can be done as a preliminary to inclusion in the study. So it's large and it's simple, and we're aiming—we were originally aiming for 6,000 patients and uh, as we'll come on to later in the interview, we've redesigned it down to a sample size of 3,100. So that's those are the main design features.
0: So before IST3, there was an IST1 and 2, wasn't there?
1: The, yes, IST1 was a very large-scale study with 20,000 patients uh, randomised to different antithrombotic regimes in acute stroke. IST2 was to have been a, a large scale neuroprotective trial, but unfortunately the compound was withdrawn from development before we started recruiting. The reason we got going with IST3 was we'd seen the F trial results, 600 patients, and ECAS1 and 2, 800 patients each. Relatively small scale trials against the global scale of strokes, which is 15 million people a year having a stroke. And we also seen that. When the cardiologist got thrombolysis through for the treatment of acute myocardial infarction as opposed to cerebral infarction, they'd randomised tens of thousands of patients and that had really brought about a very rapid change in clinical practice. And we'd seen that things weren't changing very quickly with acute stroke and we thought that a much larger scale trial would be the way really to change global stroke practice.
0: Who instigated the actual trial?
1: Well, it was a group of us We we'd um, in Edinburgh and our friends that had been involved in IST1 and 2 said, okay, we're a group that could do large-scale trials. Thrombolysis is the next big question. Let's do a large-scale trial. And as, we, as before, we would aim to do this independently of the pharmaceutical industry. As it happened, we had a little bit of support from Bering or Ingelheim for an initial placebo-controlled phase But then, for various reasons, we went on and did the trial, the main trial, open, that is, uh, randomised with um, an, an open control, so it was standard care versus standard care plus intravenous thrombolysis, and that gave us tremendous flexibility in the design. So it's funded by the Medical Research Council of the UK, the NHMRC and the Australian Heart Foundation various other charitable organisations in Sweden, the Swiss Heart Foundation, the Swiss Research Foundation, and Norwegian Research Foundation. So various foundations around the European countries have supported the study. So it's done completely independently of industry.
0: So you mentioned before that the original sample size was 6,000, but it's now been reset to 3,001. Can you explain or give reasons for this, and just reassure us that the sample size will still be adequate?
1: Okay. Well, um, when you're planning a really large-scale trial, sometimes it's difficult to forecast how easy recruitment will be, and the the larger sample size was designed to detect really quite a modest effect of treatment. That is, about uh, thirty per thousand avoiding death or dependency with treatment, Um, and it rapidly became clear during the early phase of the trial that centres were having real difficulty establishing thrombolysis services and there were, some, there were quite a lot of regulatory barriers to get new centres started because new regulations kept being brought in through 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, which ever increased the bureaucratic overhead, if you like, on getting a center started. So we had a lot of barriers to overcome. And we recalculated, said, well, if we could get 3,100, that we could still detect a 4.7% absolute difference or 47 per thousand patients avoiding the or dependency as a result of treatment. So a still worthwhile treatment effect that we could detect
0: so why exactly 3100?
1: That was the sample size we reckoned we could get within the time frame of the Medical Research Council grant and that 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 was the that was the uh, the treatment effect we could detect with that sample size.
0: Do you think it will inform us about patients we usually do not treat such as the very elderly, etc?
1: That's a very interesting question because at the time we started the trial All the previous trials, with the exception of NDS, had excluded patients over 80. And so when we started, there were just 42 patients um, over 80 in treatment and control. In other words, treatment of older people was was an evidence-free zone. And that was one of the reasons that we had no upper age limit. And interestingly now, about half the patients going into the trial especially those going in under three hours, are aged over 80. So we estimate by the end of the trial, we'll have about a 1,000 patients aged over 80, randomized between thrombolysis and control. So uniquely important information on that group of patients. And we'll obviously add information on patients presenting after three hours. Uh, we'll also in, in provide useful information. We reckon about 600 patients with very mild strokes, that is an NIHSS less than five, and severe strokes, NIHSS more than 24, who are currently excluded from treatment under the European license. So we're going to provide unique data on a number of categories of patients who are currently um, excluded from the rather strict European approval.
0: So how do you think the outcomes from these um, this trial from, and, and these extra risk factors, how do you think it will eventually affect clinical practice?
1: Well, I think the hope is that if the, um, the trial will clarify who's most likely to benefit, who's most likely to be harmed by treatment, and therefore um, have some impact on the overall treatment rates. Just if we look around the world, what proportion of patients actually receive thrombolytic treatment at the moment well, the work of Don Kleindorfer in America has shown that the average treatment rate across the whole of the U.S., where this treatment's been available since 1995, is just 2.4%, with some counted in the USA not receiving it at all, whereas of obviously others in urban areas, um, there may be higher treatment rates. In the U.K., it's probably a 2% average across the nation, Germany 4%, Sweden, with a very equitable access, achieves only six percent, and that's largely because of the very restrictive criteria. So, if the IST3 data broaden the criteria for those that can be treated, treatment rates could rise and might rise to ten, twenty percent, to ten or twenty percent of all strokes, which could have a really significant impact on. On stroke-related disability in the community, so if the trial comes out um, with clear information, which we hope it will, we uh, and we can expand, safely expand the treatment criteria. That would be fantastic.
0: And finally, what are the difficulties and challenges of running a trial of this size in so many different countries?
1: Um, well, as I've already alluded to, there are considerable regulatory barriers that now slow down the start up of a trial and the requirement for so many different pieces of paper to be completed in different languages that are slightly different from country to country, it, it just takes a long time to get a large trial off the ground. And I think these difficulties are, are, are felt much more when the trial is investigator-led because you know, the resources to run such trials are quite limited. Uh, And I think there is a risk that the the hyper-regulation of clinical trials at the moment may significantly reduce the number of investigator-led trials that can be done in the future. However, IST3 has got a really enthusiastic group of investigators, and we have by and large overcome those hurdles with their the collaboration. We've got more than 100 hospitals from 11 countries around the world, including Australia, and um, so we feel optimistic that uh, at least for this trial, we've cracked it.
0: How many different countries, and which countries are you running the trial in?
1: So it's 11 different countries. Um, the, ma- the majority of the centres are in the UK, but then we also have Switzerland, Sweden, Portugal. Poland, Norway, Mexico recruited a few patients, Italy, Belgium, Austria, and Australia, so uh, around the world. And currently, we've got over 2,200 patients, so we're nearly three times larger than the largest previous trial, and um, things are cracking along towards our target of 3,100 by the middle of next year, and we hope to report our results at the European Stroke Meeting in May 2012.
0: You've been listening to a podcast interview with Dr. Peter Sandeko, Chief Investigator for the IST trial, and Carmen Lev jenkins Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke. For more information from Dr. Peter Sandico and the IST trial and thrombolysis, please refer to the International Journal of Stroke, current edition. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication for the World Stroke Organization. Please consider becoming a member of the World Stroke Organization.